ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the last Red Voices of 2018. We hope you've had a tremendous festive period. And if you haven't, chances are you're either dead inside or, you know, Jose Mourinho. You and Rich on hand to discuss Manchester United's wins over Cardiff, Huddersfield and Bournemouth, litany of goals, all sorts of great stuff to talk about and answer your questions as well. Rich, how was your Christmas? It was fun. Just like yeah. football. Yeah. What a good. I know. It's you were just saying. I don't know how many pods we've done this year, but this is this has surely got to be. I would imagine our happiest pod of the year. A short, a closely beating last week's. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this at least in this game, we've actually got some fun football to talk about, so that helps. Yeah. Uh, I think the only time I come close to this amount of joyous would be when we beat City, but that was just out of complete surprise and shock that we'd been, yeah. you know, decent. But honestly. What a wonderful, wonderful start to this Solskjaer season. So we pick it up where we left off last week uh, in the uh, post-Mourinho sacking podcast that we've produced. Yeah, Solskjaer came in with Mike Phelan, instantly saying the right things, talking about the players in the right way. Instantly, everyone seemed a lot more positive. And then we went to the Cardiff City last Saturday, and it took three minutes to start expunging that poisonous vibe that we've been drowning in for the last several months. <laughs> yeah, you could see you could see from the very start that, that we were set up to play in a very different way the front three were, were clearly set to press high the whole team was immediately passing more directly um and with a lot more confidence and it was the, the, i love i love certainly the last three games one of the, the the best things to see i think is the is the movement of the front three players and the way in which um martial um lingard and rashford particularly have have really dovetailed and, and swapped positions and it's something we've not really seen at united in a front three really going back to kind of Tevez, Ronaldo, Rooney, and obviously, you know, we're talking about players of a of a different class, but but it's they're playing in a system in a way which which really takes me back to that. And you know, Cardiff was kind of the 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 epitome of that. You know, we the, the movement was so good, everything United did was such a good tempo. They were so positive that we just really overwhelmed them. Yeah, absolutely, a delightful throwback. I mean, we got a little bit lucky with that first goal. I mean, Rashford struck that free kick beautifully. But the goalkeeper will certainly want to do that again, considering that he took that step to his right. And by that point, the shot was hit with such venom that he wasn't getting anywhere near it. But such a tremendous start. I mean, that's exactly what you wanted. You know, these are fixtures that United have struggled with for some time. You know, teams that are in the bottom half of the table with a point to prove. Had it got into a slugfest, which is what Solskjaer pointed out, then it might have been a bit more difficult for us. So it was really important for us to get on the front foot early and essentially put the game to bed, which we did in the first half. You know, a great way to start the match. And then what about that Herrera second goal? I mean, initially, I didn't see the first deflection. I thought it was just a wonderful looping shot. But it was just that impact of the midfield just pushing up, wasn't it? You know, an excellent pass yeah. by Pogba, great vision from him, well struck by Herrera, got a little bit lucky with the finish, but 2-0, and we completely warranted it. What a great way to start. Mm. You're right, the midfield pushing up was, was really important. I mean, it was, it was obviously Pogba's been playing very hard the pitch to great to great effect but but the contrast to Mourinho's preferred system where even if he gave Pogba or one midfielder slightly more license to go forward then two had to stay back so it had to be um you know if Herrera was playing he and Matic generally stayed very deep didn't get too involved in things going forward whereas we've seen the last three games and as with that Herrera goal everybody floods forward we saw again tonight for the first, the uh, no, sorry, the second goal, the, the Pogba goal against Bournemouth, which we'll talk about later. But if you watch as United get the ball, the, not just the front three, but the three behind him and the fullbacks flood forward as soon as United get the ball. That goal was the really the first example of the of us getting dividends for that, 
you know, for approaching the game in that way. Yeah, I mean, we got a little bit unlucky with the penalty. It was somewhat harshly rewarded, but I guess you know that was a that was a good test for United in that first game, wasn't it? To actually have something of a setback and be two one up. Typically, in those sort of situations, we've seen United wilt or lose their confidence a little bit and not necessarily push too far at the pitch. But the way that we actually tried to kill the game that off in that half was brilliant. And the play for that third goal, that was stunning. That was one of the best individual goals, sorry, the best team goals that I think we've scored in, what, years? It's just, maybe I'm just forgetting something because it's been so long since United have played like this. Just so quick and incisive and talented. You know, the touch to that... All the passes leading up to that goal were absolutely superb. It was just signs of players who... You know, we'd gone so long watching them just not be able to string two, three passes together. To see us do that, to pull that goal off, it it had me purring. Wasn't it gorgeous? You know, wonderful work by Pogba and Rashford and a great finish by Martial as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that um, Solskjaer was talking about how they'd been talking about one of the forwards or one of the midfielders making what he described as a second man run, which is essentially what happened. We, you know, Sharp kind of one, two around the box and then Martial made the, the second run or the second man run or the late run to get onto the, the through ball and score. And the reason why that was so effective is because we because we loaded that area of the of the pitch of that of the box. You know, we had four players within five yards of each other and playing very quick one touch football. And it just meant that you know it's, it's law of averages. If you get more players in dangerous areas, then you can it's going to be more difficult to mark them and more difficult to deal, to deal with them. And it was. One of the things that we've seen under Brunio, particularly this season, but for quite a long time, is just how slow and conservative the passing is and how there's been no tempo to it, no confidence in anything we've done. And that goal was really the complete antithesis of, of that. It was it was very deliberate, very quick, very small, aerated, one-touch passing leading to a, a brilliant goal, a really brilliant goal. Mm. And you said... You know, when was the last time? I think there's a, there's a few people suggested a few things when I asked that question on on Twitter, and I think probably the last goal we scored that was better than that in terms of teamwork was the the goal in the three 0 win against Stoke at home under Lou Van Gaal, mm. which was the kind of end to end, which which was completely at odds with everything else that happened <laughs> under Lou Van Gaal. But that was the, the the best team goal we scored since then, and one of the things I've really enjoyed in the last three matches, watching the last three matches is that we've seen goals that have actually made me make strange, guttural sounds of, of, of wonder and amazement. Yeah, I clapped about four times today. Yeah, you know, that, I can't really remember the last time I, I was really stunned or, you know, on my feet at a, a, a goal United scored in terms of its breathtaking quality. Mm. I mean, like, you know, there's been been the odd one, you know, the, the uh, Lingard goal at the Emirates was was really lovely last season and I'm sure there have been obviously the, the goals in the City game for the meaning that they had rather than the the actual quality of the goals but with, you know in every single game we've we've watched in the last last few days there's been at least one goal where I've been on my feet in awe of uh, that we've done something really really very high quality. Yeah I mean that third goal in particular you know, regardless of the result, it was almost a complete rejection and rebuttal to everything that we've seen so far this season up to this point. Yeah. In the sense that it was fast, it was incisive, and it took advantage of our attacking players. It was so gorgeous to watch, but it was it was vindication, wasn't it? You know, we've been talking about these attacking yeah. players saying that Mourinho wasn't getting the best out of them, and he wasn't. To have Oli come in, 
after what two days worth of training and have the team look that competent and that enjoyable to watch and also that incisive because that's been one of our big problems over the last few years is that sometimes we've created the half decent chances but not finished them off that was so superb to see and not only that we carried that on to the second half you know Lingard with a well-deserved brace uh, got that penalty and the fifth goal just rounding the keeper in that wonderful fashion slotting home in front of the away end had me purring gosh so lovely sexy football my friend I'm, I'm very much enjoying it it's it's been great. We've talked a lot on this podcast about quite quite a few things in relation to really ended performances, but we've we've talked about how we ha- we don't really remember too many ninety minute performances under Mourinho. Um, you know, we've we've thought about them off the top of our heads and probably come up with two or three from his two and a half years at United. And you know that that was a complete ninety minute performance. Like you say, we could see that we could see the penalty and we didn't stop. We just kept playing. And I think one one other. Um, chance in the second half aside, which De Gea did really well to save down to his left. Cardiff didn't really do, didn't really press us, and people were saying, "Well, you know, this is a poor Cardiff side. The, you know, they can fodder." But firstly, we we haven't been obliterating these kind of teams for for a long time, and and also, um, you know, they've won four of the last five games at home in the Premier League. They they immediately went. And beat Leicester this weekend away, so they're not complete fools, and we made them look very, 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 you know, very, very poor team indeed. Mm. And it's been a really long time since I've thought we've we've come up against somebody, no matter how bad, and and absolutely made them look really poor for the whole ninety minutes. Absolutely, yeah. The good thing was that we carried it on into the next game as well. What was it? Huddersfield three, four days later, just on Boxing Day. To a certain extent, it wasn't quite as incisive as it was against Cardiff, but we, for the most part, we kind of picked up where we left off. You know, it took until the 28th minute for us to get the lead, so not quite as early as it was on Saturday. But yeah, great start. You know, it was Matic poking home that uh, corner. And for the most part, again, there was a defensive error towards the end and the fact that we didn't keep the clean sheet, that was the real sour point. But Again, in that game, I, yes, there was a certain degree when we were only 1-0 up, we were only one goal away from giving this away. But at that same point, you still could see United attacking. We weren't sitting back, were we? Pogba no. with those excellent two goals. You know, Matter with that excellent running cross. Pogba with a great little finish on his left foot. And the second one, United's third goal. Again, an absolutely gorgeous strike. Just so well hit. That wonderful low drive right into the bottom corner. No chance whatsoever for the keeper. And 3-0. You know, not only that, one of De Gea's best saves ever from Depotcher in the second half too. How on earth did he stop oh, that? Ridiculous, wasn't it? I think, I think the most marvellous thing about that wasn't that if, if he'd have had a clear view of it, it's a save. You said that's a good save, but not a truly great one. But the point was that ball came. He, he had three or four players standing two, three, four yards in front of him, blocking his view of the shot. And he must have seen it with half a second to react to, to make that save, to then get the dive away and make the sort of the strength of, set of, of saves that he he got on that was just absolutely staggering. I mean, Solskjaer said it's the, the best save he's ever seen. Mm. He'll probably learn if he stays at United for too long that he'll see better ones than that. But yeah, it was an absolutely stupendous save. I think, as you said at the start, we, uh, we just we started talking about the game there. It wasn't as fluid a performance as, as the Cardiff game, but there was clearly more attacking intent from United. And I think we've seen in the last couple of games that there are still issues at the back that mean that we're going to concede chances, we're going to concede goals. But the point being that we're going out and playing with the intention to score more than the other team. Which is novel for us. It is novel for us because, you know, Mourinho's Mourinho's approach was always 
let's try and <clears throat> nick a goal and then cling on for dear life, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas now we're going out with the intention of trying to score a few goals before the opposition to score one, which might sound entirely obvious, but it's it's not something we've seen. You know, we have been really, really starved of this kind of approach to, to games for such a long time. And I, I remember having conversations with people last season who couldn't really understand why... Or, or perhaps because because of the rivalry and because of the tribalism of fans, you know, a lot of United fans couldn't really see why Liverpool fans were as euphoric as they were about a, a manager and a team who still hadn't won anything by the end of that season. And you could see now, perhaps the the the, the clouds have parted for 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 many people. You could see now that even if what your overall is the results aren't perfect, even if there are still slip-ups, even if they're still conceding goals, whatever. If the approach is like this, then a lot of that can be forgiven and you can really enjoy the ride. And I think it's almost the first time in... in you know, it's only been three games and I'm not... You know, we don't know what's going to happen from here. United will lose some games, we'll win some games. But this is the first time in... Where are we? Five and a half years when, I, honestly, we've gone out and seen a United team playing in this manner. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just... I mean, we can't completely take out the role of the start of last season under Mourinho because in the first sort of four, five, six games of that season, there was confidence in that side, wasn't it? Wasn't there? And then we were making chances and scoring goals. And there was, yeah, you know, Rashford yeah. was playing well, Pogba was playing great, Mkhitaryan was banging in the assists, and Lukaku was scoring loads of goals. That was encouraging. But then again, as is often the case with Mourinho, something goes wrong and he can't recover from it. And. What we're seeing at the moment, I mean, this is our first post-Mourinho sacking pod concentrating on the football, so you have to forgive us for concentrating on the differences between the two managers and the way that his this team has played over the course of the last few weeks. But it's just such a huge contrast, you know, in each of these three games, we scored in the first half and taken the game to the opponent. And it sounds like such a simple thing to do, considering that the two of these three games have been against teams, you know, who are most likely going to be a relegation battle and Bournemouth, despite a lofty position, can be relatively straightforward to beat if you know what you're doing. But it's just not been that way over the last several months. You know, we, yes, we sort of tonked Fulham to a certain extent, but we struggled against Southampton and we sure as heck struggled against Palace. So to see us take the game in such a determined and clinical fashion to these teams has just been so encouraging, but also just so rewarding to watch because... We've heard so much about how these players haven't been good enough or how they've let down Mourinho or how he's disappointed in them. And mm. Solskjaer's come in, picked sides that we wouldn't necessarily be excited about under Mourinho, and he's got them playing up to their potential, and in some cases beyond it. You know, Rashford, you know, we're talking about Bournemouth today. He yeah. was absolutely on fire today. What a stunning setup for that first Pogba goal. Absolutely did Ake. And another shimmy inside. Great cross. I mean, great touch from Pogba to be able to get there because that cross was hit with some venom. But again, a tremendous start, you know, scoring in the first 10 minutes of the match, giving us the impetus, giving us the encouragement that we need to go on and win the game. And again, that game was won pretty much in that first half. Yeah, with a couple of squeaky moments at 3-1 up. And Bailly's red card did definitely not help, even though we were 4-1 up at that point. But still, what a complete contrast in approach, in confidence and commitment. It's gigantic, isn't it? It is, and one of the things that makes me most happy, apart from just watching the the performances and seeing so many of our players now showing what they should be, 
what they can be instead of what Mourinho has reduced them to. I'm really, I'm really happy that it's been become so obvious so quickly because we both been and and many other United fans have been banging this drum that we accept there are many many issues at United which go beyond the manager but in terms of what that team was producing on the pitch the virus at the club was Mourinho we got sick and tired of saying the same thing on the pod every week didn't we you know we've been saying this for such a long time and and it's very frustrating as you said to, to see lots of people starting to accept the rhetoric that these players just aren't very good that we're essentially only as good as we can be which you know, you'd have to be blinker to quite some degree to come to that conclusion, but but it's clearly a phenomenon that, that Mourinho engenders in fans because he did he basically did the same thing at Chelsea about you know about Hazard and Fabregas and, and Costa and what we've done in these three weeks. There's been absolutely no question. Everything that we've been saying has been vindicated in these first three three games since he's gone, and it's been really nice. You know, there are lots of people I really respect on on Twitter who have tried to they've tried to stay with Mourinho and they've tried to temper their criticism of him and perhaps being fairer than I was you know but they've certainly not been as, as strong in their criticism of him as I have and there's just two or three of them today have said you know I really didn't want to see the problem and I you know I can completely respect that because you don't want to, to not to, to dislike your manager you don't want to be saying that a manager has to go but they're now saying I, I get it you know three games like I literally can't believe the difference. The main point is it's so nice that lots of people can now see that this squad and a lot of these players are good enough and do really have really bright futures for United, hopefully, going forward under the right manager. But the thing is, it's not just about seeing Pogba and Rashford and Martial playing well. You can see improved performances all across the pitch. Like Matic, for instance, was someone that we were chewing out for the several weeks before Mourinho was sacked, maybe even several months, he couldn't seem to yeah. get dropped for love nor money. He was playing badly. He wasn't necessarily using the ball very well. We did get it. He wasn't making many challenges. And he was, to a certain extent, dead weight in that side. The last three games he's played, I think he's been great. I legitimately do. Yeah. I think he's yeah, protecting really the back four better. He's making better challenges. He's pushing forward. He's passing much better. He's finding the space in between the lines. And he's setting us on the attack. It's excellent to watch. But then there's Lindelof as well. Lindelof has clearly been given license to push forward and actually run with the ball a little bit more and start us off on the attack and actually get us going forward as opposed to driving through midfield it's been great to watch and it's just it's examples of two players who have not been in good form almost being unshackled and being told right this is what you do well this is what you should do more of and in Matic's case as well he's still doing that exact same role but he's doing it so much better and I know he's at pains not to to, to try not to criticise Mourinho because he clearly has a lot of respect for the man and everyone so far has towed the same party line they're not going to talk about the fact that yeah basically the reason that we're playing so much better now is that Mourinho's not on the club anymore but that is what it comes down to and they just look emboldened by the new approach they all look like they're singing from the same hymn sheet. They all understand that essentially the best way for United to win games at the minute is to outscore the opponent. And we've done that. 12 goals in three games yeah. is insane. That is absolutely wonderful for this team. And it, well, maybe, actually, no, maybe it's not insane. It's just an indication of where we could have been going this, this season had we had a bit more confidence in the players up front and push Pogba a little bit mm. forward. You know, Jamie Redknapp made the point. We'll talk about that second goal now 
when he was talking at halftime on Sky Sports, saying, I don't know why he doesn't do that more, why he doesn't drive forward from midfield. Well, it's pretty goddamn obvious, really, wasn't it? He wasn't allowed to do that. Yeah, exactly. He didn't get in those advanced positions because he was playing as part of a midfield three. What's been different now is that he's essentially playing as almost as a midfield slash auxiliary number 10. Gets forward more often in the penalty area for both of his goals today. And he's just clearly much more involved in the attack than he was before. And again, you spoke spoke about the bravery. I mean, my favourite bit of that second goal was arguably the cross. What an absolutely gorgeous ball from Herrera. Wasn't it good? Really, really t- terrific strike and just the, the bravery and the, you know, the desire to, to get on the end of that, that header was, was great. But as you say, we're talking about, you, you were talking about Lindelof and, and how he suddenly got a different role. It's about, we're suddenly playing players in in positions and in, in systems and in ways that suit their talents rather than in a way that inhibits all these players. I think it, it was written... I think I think Duncan Castles wrote when United were trying to sign Lindelof that, that, that he was the the centre half that Mourinho wanted to be able to to pass the ball out of defence and start attacks. But the reality was that we play so deep that there was no space for him either to step out or to really to play any sort of incisive pass. Whereas now everybody's twenty yards further up the pitch, so he's picking up the ball nearer the halfway line, and he's actually got options between the lines in front of him and he can make 20, 30 yard forward passes to midfielders who are in space and he just didn't have that before and it's exactly the same with Pogba you know I think the only time we've really seen the real Pogba is in the most fleeting moments for example the second half at the Etihad in the 3-2 win when it was apparent that we, you know United we, we clearly just thought fuck it you know we've seen that a few times under Reno when we've been behind there's just something they've the players I don't know just a mental change and they've just thought fuck it we're going for it and he made two late runs into the box scored two goals and we won that game and now all we're seeing now is him doing that or being allowed to do that all the time and one of the things that was noticeable you were talking about how how he's playing further up almost in a 10 role quite often he's picking the ball up with his back to goal now and that's a consequence of him being 20 20 to 30 yards further forward and actually picking the ball up in the hole between the midfield and the back four as the opposition. And so he's in a position now where if he gets the ball there, if he spreads it wide or if he, play, he plays off a pass, he's, mm. he hasn't got an enormous distance to travel to get into the box to get on the end of stuff. And that's essentially what happened twice. You know, he was in 20, 20 to 30 yards further up the pitch so that when the ball came in from Rashford initially and then the, the, the brilliant cross from Herrera... He's he's on in the six yard box to actually get on the end of these things and at the end of these chances. So it's just another it's just another example of Solskjaer because he hasn't had time to do anything enormous. You know the fullbacks are playing further up, maybe people are making more positive passes, but he he hasn't had time to to make massive drastic drastic changes. He's just done the simple things and put really good players in positions that best suit their talents. But that second goal was just a consequence of that, really, wasn't it? You know, Herrera can offer more going forward. Pogba is most, will be most dangerous if he's in and around the box. It was, it was a simple goal in terms of a cross and a header. But, it, but it, it, it wasn't simple in terms of what we were doing three weeks ago. It's completely the antithesis of that. It was an exceptional cross, an exception, you know, a really good header, running header. Actually, quite a sort of simple goal in football, in football terms. But it, it meant a lot to us watching because it's exactly the kind of goal we've not been scoring. No, exactly. I mean, you mentioned Pogba as well with his back to goal. One of the great things that he's been doing well over the last week or so is 
because he has his back to goal, he's able to suck in opposition players and that frees up space for the likes of Martial, Rashford and Lingard. The three of them have been linking up very, very well over the last week. It's going to have a consequence of just having a bit more confidence and just looking dangerous in particular. You know, And again, Martial was right at the forefront of that with a third goal. Again, another wonderful cross. And delivery, I think that's been one of my favourite things over the last couple of weeks. Is just well, it's it's not even the last couple of weeks, Rich. It's eight days, three games of football in mm. eight days. That's it. Feels yeah. like it's been longer, but it's so gorgeous. Still, mm. perfect delivery from Martial, and again Rashford on the end of it. There are people on the end of every single ball that we get in at the moment. It's so nice to see if have options in the box. And three one at half time, you know, it was disappointing to give away that Ake goal. You know, we'll talk about the slight deficiencies of the side at the minute, and it is the defence. And again, we didn't deal well with that corner. Ake got in and then Dave had no chance and that was 3-1. Disappointing, but again, you know, it's set pieces that have been our undoing. You know, that pretty much happened against Huddersfield. That has been the common theme throughout Mourinho's time too. So that's not necessarily new information for us. And that is something that I would hope Solskjaer... Solskjaer's definitely aware of it. It's whether or not he can actually fix it with his current team or whether or not he dips into the transfer market next month and decides, well, maybe I could do with another centre-back. Kind of hoping, in a way, that we hold off until the summer, just purely because I want to see these defenders doing better because we know they can do better. I mean, Well, I mean, certain of them can anyway. I mean, by... <laughs> I mean, that red card, I mean, he was very, very close to conceding a bit of a bad penalty. Yes, he got there first, but that foot was so high on Daniels. He properly planted it into, it was inches away from being right in his gob. Wasn't a great challenge, but there we go. And that red card, I mean, that's just vintage bite. You know, we've still got the fourth goal to talk about on the car coup. But, you know, there is still that rashness there. And you'd hope that, whether it's Solskjaer or the next manager, that... You know, I think that is a key part of his game. But at the same time, you kind of you kind of hope that going forward, he can learn to temper that a little bit and marry that exuberance and that willingness to put himself about and chuck himself in challenges with a little bit more control. I uh, don't think that'll dilute his essence too much, but still, regardless. Anyway, the fourth goal. Nice to see Lukaku come back in after Rashford was, you know, pipping Pogba to man of the match. Pogba close to that hat-trick with a wonderful shot that Begovic tipped onto the post. I mean, I don't think Lukaku actually caught that shot that well because he let it go across him and I was thinking, you know, there's no way this is going in. But it was really rewarding to see that happen and it was nice to see him get that shot. You know, I think he's a player, as with Sanchez, I don't think they're too worried about how they fit into this United side regardless of the way that Rashford and Martial Lingard are playing. There's there's loads of games coming up, so it's not like we're going to see that front three constantly over the next couple of weeks. But if Lukaku actually does want to really push and make himself an indispensable part of Solskjaer's side, that's exactly the sort of thing he needs to be doing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think with Rashford going off injured or potentially injured today, the suggestion that he got a slight groin strain, if that's correct, he'll miss certainly miss the game at, at Newcastle. And I, you'd imagine that Lukaku's the obvious replacement for him. Lukaku's another one, another one of the players that obviously hasn't had the opportunity so far, but he's another one that I'd like to prove a few people wrong. You know, there's been a lot of criticism and, and, and the way he's been playing in the last two or three months just isn't representative representative of the guy who scored, I think he's, scored, he's over 100 Premier League goals now, isn't he, at the age of 24 or whatever he is. I think he possibly is the youngest, the youngest player ever to do that. And whilst he's never going to be the greatest technician in the league, he obviously is effective at actually putting the ball in the back of the net by hook or by crook. And if you're profiling 
our forward players. He's the one who least obviously fits into this loose framework that that Solskjaer's sort of applied to the front three because he's he's the the one who's least mobile and least likely to dovetail with the other two and and, and create that movement that we've been seeing and. Uh, particularly we've had three very nimble players very quick off the mark players sort of flighty players who are just very mobile and Lukaku's not necessarily that but it will be really interesting to see if he can slot into that front three and do some of those things and actually prove that he's a lot better than he's been showing because some of the you know some of the criticism some of the way some fans have been talking about him as if he's some guy who's been plucked off Hackney Marshes and should be deposited back there you know as soon as possible you know it was really nice to see him score score the fourth goal he managed to draw criticism even for that, for scoring when it didn't matter, even though he wasn't on the pitch when he could have scored when it did matter. But yeah, it, it would be really nice if we can go out, to, go to Newcastle. We were particularly annoyingly bad there last year. Perhaps if he slots into that front three, or even Alexis Sanchez, and and we we see a similar fluidity to what we're doing, then that will be, I think, you know, even further vindication of that there's a lot better player there than than we've been seeing in recent weeks and that a lot of people have been suggesting. Yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh, doesn't it just feel good, Rich? I mean, the analogies are all over the place, you know, weight's been lifted, it feels like we're playing as a new team, but it really is so true. Like, one thing that really stood out to me in particular today is one of the blueprints we're playing against United over the last several months, and in particular the last 18 months, and maybe even huge chunks of the last five and a half years is that United have not coped well when teams press high up the pitch. Bournemouth did that a lot today, an absolute ton. And that frequently meant, yeah, yeah, we we were, it frequently meant we were passing back between Shaw by Lindelof and Young. And yes, Matic and Pop were having to drop deep sometimes to get the ball moving again. But where originally we would have struggled to create anything out of those situations where you would have given the ball away and perhaps given away a chance from a counter-attack. There's so much more confidence in the passing now, isn't there? The movement's there, there are options. Every time someone's got the ball, they've got two or three uh, opposition players around them. There's two or three options nearby. They can get a pass out quickly, and then we just start the next attack. Lingard and Rashford doing a lot more running. Pogba taking up some great spaces. There's just so much more going on to this United side now. And because we've just watched United struggle with being pressed so much over the last several years... What a complete antidote to the football over the last however long it's been. It's just so nice to see us confident, not worried about losing the ball. You know, every now and then it'll happen. You know, you can't hold on to the ball constantly. We're just not that great in possession just yet. But still, it's just a complete contrast to where we were. And especially in games where, you know, typically you might have pulled our foot off the pedal. We're still going out there in the second half of games, even, you know, against Cardiff and Bournemouth, where we were 3-1 up. And going out there and killing the game. We weren't doing that before. And again, that's a wonderful thing to accept and watch. You know, those 12 goals in three games. I can't remember the last time that I've been looking forward to watching United as much as I have now. And that is in large part down to the way that Solskjaer's got this team playing. You know, it's wonderful to watch Pogba and Rashford. You know, even though we've got defensive deficiencies, we all know they're there. We are conceding sloppy goals every now and then there's just so much confidence in us creating another chance and getting another goal back and then adding to our tally. 
you know, what was it? What did you say it was? Plus nine goal difference in these three games. That's where we now sit. And considering that we've had our worst league start to a season since what, 1991? We're three points behind Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. We're three points behind Arsenal now in fifth. Considering the way they're going at the minute, I wouldn't necessarily put it past us in the next couple of weeks, given some of the fixtures coming up, really chiselling into that lead. The big test is going to be when we go to Wembley, isn't it? You know, Tottenham had a bad result against Wolves yesterday, but regardless, that's still going to be a very difficult game and arguably the first big, big test of Solskjaer's reign so far. So I'll be very, very intrigued to see how he sets the team up and how we approach that game because that's a team that can do us on the counter-attack, make no mistake. And they overwhelmed us once this season already. All right, before we proceed, a moment of your time, please. Just to say thanks to everyone who listens to the pod all around the world, and you really are all around the world, that takes the time to listen, recommend, share, or interact with us. It's really hugely appreciated. You know, Red Voices is a labour of love. We don't make any money from it, and we do it all ourselves, from running the Twitter account to editing each episode. So with that said, if you want to help us out with our hosting fees in any way, good news, you can, you can head to redvoices.net slash donate and send us whatever sum of money you deem fit via paypal any donation size is of course welcome or you can leave us a review on itunes which helps us climb up the podcasting charts or it's just stuff as easy as recommending us to any of your united supporting friends via social media or word of mouth every little helps and anything and everything is appreciated anyway i break over back to the normal stuff but yeah before we get on to the raft of twitter questions we've got we've got a load i wonder why that is what do you think has caused such a big difference take away Mourinho's aspect what do you think Solskjaer is doing that is getting this team playing so much better above and beyond where we were a couple of weeks ago I said a while ago he's just doing the common sense thing which is to look at the players he's got think how can I best utilize their talents and and putting them out on a pitch to do that it's quite easy to look at the team that finished the Mourinho era and and basically look at all the things it wasn't doing and get your team to do those things because the performances were completely bereft in every area of football. And what I think what's pleased me most is that we, we're not just offensive with the ball, we're, we're aggressive without the ball as well. I just I love the fact that we're pressing relentlessly from the front. Rashford ran you know, miles today just chasing down the keeper and chasing down the centre-backs, and, and the whole team pushed up and pressed really high up the pitch. And it's been so depressing watching a lot of the other teams in and around us, and even teams teams lower down the table than us, doing that to great effect. And it's it's something that's really, I think, necessary to succeed in the modern game with tactics as they are. And just to see United doing those things now. And also, Solskjaer mentioned after, his, um, after the first game that he, in the, the one training session, Prior to the game, they'd just gone through a few patterns of play. And and to anybody who's been watching Mourinho's United for the last two and a half years, that <clears throat> might have to consult a dictionary as to what exactly patterns of play are. Ho 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 ho. Indeed. But 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 yeah, I mean but you can see what he's trying to do in those three games. You can see patterns of play. You can see shape. You can see players creating triangles, occupying space. We have a shape and we have have an intelligent attacking framework. And we, we, we just didn't see that against Mourinho. It was just all completely off the cuff and just hope some, somebody did something wonderful. Mm. So I think overall Solskjaer's has come in. Clearly the air's cleared because Mourinho's gone. But also he's just been incredibly positive about everybody. He's just looked at what he's got, thought, how do I get the best out of that? Put them on the pitch, told them to, to do their thing and to, to play as positively as they can. And this is what you're getting because 
as we've been saying for a long time, United have got some very, very good footballers. Going on from that, we asked uh, our friends over on Twitter what they thought about the idea of actually taking Solskjaer on going forward. You know, what would constitute success that would make you want to keep him ahead of Maurizio Pochettino? So we've got a couple of responses to that. Uh, Black Gatsby, uh, it's easy to answer now given that Poch is an option, but if the football improves and we somehow get past PSG, it's going to be extremely hard to say no. Right now, though, Poch is the only person we should be looking at permanently. Gary Matthews, uh, I think he's only a risk target if he does unrealistically well. A trophy in top four. All I know is I enjoy United again under his management. Uh, John Blaze, if they can't get Poch, I'd 100% take Oli, even if he didn't get top four but came close. And an Arctic read, not necessarily about finished position. If style of football improves, says the right things and promotes youth players, then yes, 100%. Now, the last one from Adam, literally, absolutely. Even if we don't make top four, I'd give it to him. Understands the club, gets it, plays youth. Has the right mentality and wants us to attack and score goals. One more than other managers linked. Now, that's a pretty decent point, Rich. How does that hit you? My attitude to this is that we should be going all in for Pochettino. The one circumstance where we stick with Solskjaer is if he continues to do something extraordinary over the rest of the season. You know, there always will be the spectre of Roberto Di Matteo hanging over things. I mean, I think Solskjaer's getting more games and more more months as as the manager than, than Di Matteo did in his time when he, when he took Chelsea to the Champions League. There's a school of thought, and I'm, I'm not really sure how I feel about it, that some some people are actually quite annoyed that Solskjaer's been given the job because... They feel that it's just something, they're just trying to appease the fans. And that if he were to become manager, the Glazers would be in a position where they wouldn't necessarily have to spend, as be under pressure to spend as much money. Well, if you're going to look at the ultra, ultra cynical take as well, you could say that it's almost as if Solskjaer has been tasked when he goes into interviews and pretty much press conferences with essentially saying the most positive stuff he can possibly think of to say there hasn't been a single negative so far he's almost like a robot who's been been um, programmed to say the absolute perfect thing in any given scenario about the club or the players or himself or his his future or whatever you know he literally has answered every question with absolute perfection the greatest thing he's done since he's come in is, is just been given the, the giving the perfect answers to every query that he's, that he's been faced with i don't know how i feel about about the cynical view i shy away yeah. from it a little bit just because i'm i'm enjoying what's happening at the moment i don't want to fall into into cynicism again for, for, for a very long time well it's you mate it won't take that long no that's true that's the only concern i would have is that they've got a guy in there who they know is incredibly grateful to have got the opportunity an opportunity which perhaps wouldn't have come his way in any other circumstances and if he hadn't been a former United player who Mm. was quite easy to get hold of at the moment and that he says all the right things about promoting youth players and getting the best out of what he's got and that would be my only concern is to whether he would actually be given the money going forward that a Pochettino almost certainly would be as a guarantee given to him for him to take the job in the first place because there's no way Pochettino walks away from Spurs to a place where he gets equivalent or very you know not not a significant amount more money to invest in the team yeah of course um but I think that's all a very long way down the road and I think if if Solskjaer does something pretty extraordinary you know if if, if things continue as they are and he, he wins a lot more than he loses and the football's really good fun then I, I certainly think you could have that you could have that discussion and say you know Maybe we can go forward with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's dependent on two rather big variables. I think if he gets, say, top four in FA Cup or someone manages to get his way through to a Champions League, then 
it makes the decision to bring in someone else very, very difficult. Because getting top four, considering where United were when he started, and the FA Cup would represent a gigantic turnaround from where we were two weeks ago against Liverpool. That would be huge. And getting through to the Champions League final, considering that that's not a tr- that's a trophy that we haven't won in 11 years, and you know, arguably one that we perennially underachieved in, that would be absolutely stunning. You know, I mean, again, that's a long, long way off. You know, I feel much better about PSG in the last 16 than I did two weeks ago. Put it that way. But still, we've uh, <laughs> we've got some time to get through there. And part of me just kind of wants to let things happen, as you said there. I think in a way, it's almost better for us to actually just enjoy these games for what they are you know that it was it's wonderful to watch this football it's so nice to see it come from these players who have been maligned and who have struggled and who have underperformed and yes it's great that Solskjaer's made it happen as well he's the catalyst that's provided this but beyond that long term unless Solskjaer pulls an absolute worldie in the next sort of four or five months part of me still thinks we should go for Pochettino but I think that's perhaps a case for you know several months down the road once Solskjaer's had some very stern tests in the league once he's played you know Tottenham Arsenal City Liverpool whatever once we've gotten a bit closer into the season I think that that question becomes a bit more pertinent for the time being let's just try and enjoy what we've got anyway questions uh, at Chris McGuffin what should United be looking to do realistically in the transfer window, given Ole's temporary role? Oh, I would still be looking for a centre-back and a right-winger. question would be whether the club are happy or willing to invest a significant amount of money in either of those players when they don't have a manager. And they don't know whether the manager would want them You know, when they came in in the summer. So it's difficult. I mean, there, there has been a suggestion that Woodward's keen to invest in those areas, but he only really wants young players with with a lot of potential and I wouldn't necessarily be against that but I don't think that would give us an immediate boost this season I would be surprised if we did anything particularly significant in January no me too because I I think they'd be loath to spend any money not knowing for sure who's going to be in place in May and whether they'd actually want that player in the first place yeah sure I mean it's tricky to make that decision isn't it because essentially you're talking about a caretaker manager you know he's not got the job long term he's got the job between now and the end of the season and Knowing United, things could change drastically between now and May. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stuart Richter, now that Sanchez is returning to fitness, would you put him in the team ahead of Rashford and Martial at the minute? <laughs> uh, no. No. If Sanchez is fit, you'd definitely bring him in in that game against Reading. And, you know, there's talk about Mason Greenwood coming into the side then, which would be very exciting. But that seems like the perfect game to bring Sanchez back in. If you bring him back in and put him in the starting lineup against Newcastle, I think that's almost too much of a disruption to the flow. And Sanchez is a player that struggled more than most, perhaps more than anyone, with the style of football and the plan that Mourinho had. So I don't think dropping him back into the side at this stage is a great thing, especially not when our attack is functioning so well. Right, let's have a look. Harshit Passy. Despite the positive results, I'm still massively worried about De Gea and Tony renewing their contracts. What do you reckon of that, Rich? I think they're a lot more likely to renew their contracts than they were two weeks ago. <laughs> yep. Whether they will or not, uh, God only knows. I think the problem for... Well, not a problem. I don't know, probably hardly a problem for De Gea, given the likely wages he's going to get, but his options in terms of where he goes are relatively limited. And the reality is, if he renews at United, he'll earn a significant more, amount more than he'll earn anywhere else that he could go this summer. Mm. Martial, the problem we've got is obviously the contract we gave to Alexis. So you've now got guys like De Gea and like Martial asking for £300,000 plus a week. Or yeah, a... who knew that might come back and bite us in the backside? It has, but then if you if you say you look at City, 
De Bruyne is earning that. You know, the, the top players at the biggest clubs in the world are now earning, earning those amounts. And if you look at De Gea, De Gea clearly is and has been our best player for no, five, five or six seasons. He's our one absolutely, nobody would argue, world-class footballer. And so if you're going to pay someone the sort of money that stars get at the other gigantic clubs, then it's going to be him. And if he... You know, ultimately, he deserves a wage, which is equivalent to something that Kevin De Bruyne is earning or close to what Sanchez is earning because he's mm. so that important. And I think Martial, you know, is it, it's clear again that, that he is a very, very good footballer and he probably deserves something close to that as well. And so it's just a case of whether United actually stump up the cash that they're asking for. And yeah, I don't think either would absolutely desperate to leave now. I think that things have changed a lot. I mean, we got to the point where a couple of weeks ago where quite a lot of people were talking about guys like Rashford thinking about leaving and, and Lingard and you know <laughs> they're if, not going if, anywhere now well no but you know even the even the most staple United supporting members of the, the squad thinking you know I, I'm not sure I'm going anywhere here and I, I might mm. need to get away for the sake of my career I don't imagine that desperation from De Gea or from from Martial now and I think it is just a case of whether we stump up the money they're asking for. Miles Bailey, uh, does Poch's inability to make in-game changes that affect the flow of big matches and the way his team seem to crack in high-pressure situations worry you, given how he's tipped to take Ollie's place? Excellent question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Anytime you appoint a manager, you're never going to get someone who ticks every single box. Everyone's going to have a slight drawback. And I think if you were going to point to blotches on Pochettino's record the fact that he hasn't won a major trophy a quote-unquote major trophy or a unmajor trophy for that matter whilst he's been managing in England is something of a blotch and looking at the way that Spurs tend to perform in the bigger games you know you think back to the way that we got past them in the FA Cup semi-final last season and there's various elements of that already this year you can definitely see that there is still a little bit of a stumbling block when it comes to the biggest games in spurts. Now, the easy answer to that is how they've coped with, you know, going to the new Camp and getting a draw a couple of weeks ago in the Champions League. They turned that group right around. So you could perhaps point to that as being something of a turning point. And it is getting better, but then again, you know, they have a result like they did against Wolves. Every now and then your team's going to crack. They can't perform fantastically all the time. And I think what makes me more assured about having Pochettino in charge is the way that he wants to play football and the way that his teams develop as opposed to getting those big results because you know that sort of stuff can come and go quite easily last season United were by and large very good against the top teams this season we've been shit so it really can change and it can ebb and flow so I think that sort of thing wouldn't worry me too much going into the season because that's something I would expect him to improve should he get the job as time sort of goes on I think you have to oh, clearly some of the responsibility for those failings has to fall on the manager always there is also a degree of it being Spursy there being a weight of pressure on Spurs in particular that going back long before Pochettino's time that they they collapse when they get close to you know winning anything that's a pressure that they've that they felt as well and every time they lose a game like that then that spursiness is amplified again by the press and I think that weight can accumulate and make it harder and harder to actually make that breakthrough and certainly he'd face different pressures at United but I don't think he'd have the same pressure of weight of history being against United making that breakthrough. Right last question of the night you're gonna like this one Johnny White does the last three games make you wish we could sack Mourinho again? It makes me wish we'd sack Mourinho six months before. 
Yeah. I was still willing to go along with this season, despite the fact that it got so toxic in the summer, just purely because I didn't want United to go around the rigmarole of replacing a manager mid-season or just before the season was about to begin. Solskjaer's appointment so far, yes, it's been three games in, but it's definitely vindicating the decision to get rid of Mourinho. Maybe that could have happened a couple of months previously. Maybe it could have happened six months ago. You know, we yeah, that's all hypothetical at this point. I think, who knows what could have happened a couple of weeks ago. But we look at where United are now. We are getting closer to the top four. We are, what, three points behind Arsenal. So we're definitely on upward trajectory. It's now up to Solskjaer to maintain it. A good flippant question like that is always nice to sort of break the tension every now and then when you think about how bad things are were under Mourinho. But I think more than anything else, I'm just glad to be where we are now. You know, we're not in a fantastic position, but the football is enjoyable again. Players that have come up through the ranks at the club are enjoying their football. And that, and you know, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but you almost can't put a price on that, can you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Richard, again, two incredibly positive podcasts in a row. No, I mean, I, I, I certainly can't remember feeling this light and fluffy and bouncy for a very I mean, that's very... how I always describe you, but still. That, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah I, I certainly can't remember feeling this positive and relentlessly optimistic about yeah. United going forward in the time we've been we've been having these weekly chats saying exactly the same thing week after week after week after week. So what a joy it is to be saying something different. Isn't it? That, yeah. It's made the podcast a lot more interesting, put it that way. Anyway, on to Newcastle, I guess I'll speak to you then. Cool. Cheers, mate. Right, guys, again, thank you very much for listening. Very much hope you enjoyed this week, and I'm pretty sure that you have. Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter. You can get Rich at, at Rich Red Voices, me at, at you and Leonard, and the pod at, at Red Voices NUSC, and the blog at redvoices.net. Have yourselves a fantastic new year, whatever you're doing, and we'll see you in 2019. Cheerio.